Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Matt, the store brand Keanu. Alongside me is my tag team partner, the Danimal. How's it going, Matty? Back and better than ever. Danimal, it's been a while. I, based on what I've been seeing, you're going to have to enlighten me. As we know, I don't really follow the WWE as much as you, but from what I'm gathering, you know, we're on SummerSlam weekend right now, and... Based on the internet chatter, what's te- what is to compel me to not believe that it's not going to be Dominic Mysterio versus L.A. Knight in the main event of WrestleMania at this point? You know, the first thing would be probably not much because you want to talk about two guys that have really kind of developed heat in you know, the, the good way where it's like, you know, Dominic, it was like at first everyone just kind of hated him for like nepotism and everything. And then it was like the judgment day move kind of worked and he just kind of grew in front of us. And I got to say judgment day is kind of, they've become a dominant faction and it's really been fun to watch. Um, I mean, I think that SummerSlam even speaks to that because when you look at it, they're barely on the card. Technically Finn Balor is going up against Seth for the, whatever title Seth has, you know, the non-universal title because they needed two titles again. But then uh, Damian Priest is Senior Money in the Bank. And then Rhea Ripley's not defending her title. And Dominic's not defending his title. So I think it's a pretty fascinating case of a, uh, a really hot faction that's in fact so over that it was kind of like, we don't need to saturate the card with them. Because the card's only eight matches, which is kind of a shocking amount of restraint. Yeah, I was just going to say that really blew me away. And and I have been hearing a bit of chatter that there is a bit of controversy over that as some of the bigger superstars are not being a little uh, open with the disdain for the fact that they don't have a match booked, it seems. Yeah, I mean, the biggest omission probably being Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. You know, I think uh, Payback is the next pay-per-view, which, you know, don't get me wrong, it's got the great name for uh blow off but you would expect that you know trailblazing hall of famer like trish stratish and uh becky who's you know as big of the stars they've made would get a spot so that is a little peculiar i think that they've just kind of found that that i think they really hit kind of their sweet spot with the the move to saturday nights and not not overdoing it um so i think you know i I think it's probably the smart call if not frustrating i think to your point with la Knight. You know, he's about as over as you can get. And I, I had a chance to watch a lot of money in the bank and the crowd was just losing their minds when it looked like he was going to get it. You know, WWE is so good at the way they book. And then we've talked about it before, the the production. So they really were shooting at like the he's the only one in the ring. No one's going to stop him. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so, you know, in LA Knight with all that heat is going to be in the I, I can't wait to say this. The Slim Jim Battle Royale. So. <laughs> That's some great sponsorship right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people were saying if he gets, uh, you know, if he, if he wins it and then gets the Slim Jim marketing campaign, you know, that may be bigger than any title they've got if they want to roll him out as the new face of the Slim Jim. But yeah, I think, uh, I think to your point, it, it is an interesting card, especially because, I think, you know, we, we could run through some of it because I, I think, you know, one thing that is fascinating to me is that you've got the, uh, I guess I'll lead off with it because I actually loved the swerve. It was, it was the Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler 
Um, at Money in the Bank, it was the most out of the blue fucking heel turn by Shayna, one of them that I've ever seen, but so much so that I absolutely loved it because it wasn't just the super, you know, cheesy, like, you know, Shawn Michaels in the black leather jacket and sunglasses, like, wonder if he's going to break bad. Instead, it was just like she lost it. And now they're having this blow off because apparently Ronda wants to leave. But I think that's a case of like, you know, I don't know if it's like her contract is up and they just had to, you know, wedge this one in. But, you know, it's kind of shocking you would have that match on a card with no Becky Lynch. Um, so that's that was kind of interesting to me. But, yeah, I think it's just another case of them, you know, trying to send the crowd home. And like the you got the Paul brother um logan paul ricochet which once again could be like a really fun and good match i mean they kind of had the some pretty big spot fest previously but it's still like you know yeah you're taken away from some really big names and established wrestlers so it's i think it's a little bit of roll of the dice but i also get that this is a kind of a casual fan pay-per-view so you kind of have to do some of the like i mean you look at it you got logan paul ronda rousey and brock lesnar three of the biggest like oh, I don't know wrestling. Whereas if you're like, hey guys, good news, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor are going at it. Like, you and I are salivating at the quality of the match, but everyone else is like, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah, I I mean, I really would be shocked if we aren't in an era now where especially those types of talent that you're describing, all three of them were your more kind of seasonal employment, for lack of a better descriptor probably have it written into their contracts that they are required to be affiliated with X amount of pay-per-views like true pay-per-views too, not just premium live content or whatever the descriptor used uh, for them. So uh, that, that kind of makes sense that probably, especially with Rhonda, I know that there's a lot of talk that, you know, there's a chance that she won't be brought back when her contract expires. So they probably do have to just square away the last bit on that to make sure that everything's kosher uh, before they break parts. I also, you know, honestly on a, you know, early on, but throw my own tinfoil hat in there. They're, I think they're making a huge push to make her a fringe uh, hall of fame candidate. So that eventually they can bring her back for all the fanfare at a WrestleMania, despite the fact that her run in WWE hasn't been all that great or impressive, but just, you know, you know how Vince loves to have the showmanship. He loves to have the big name. So I, I'd be shocked if they aren't just trying manipulating things to make her career standing look a hell of a lot better than it actually is all, when it's all said and done. No, that's a really good point. I, I, th- I think in some ways you could almost compare her wrestling career to her MMA career. It was just like there was the initial like standing side by side with The Rock and like the Kurt Angle mixed tag match against, you know, Triple H and Steph. And that's just like her like blowing into the mma world and then it was kind of like all of a sudden people kind of figured her out and it was just this precipitous dive and for pro wrestling it was just like oh she's one of these people that doesn't understand the entertainment version of sports entertainment which is you know no knock on her she's absolutely phenomenal athlete but you know some people just don't have that ability to get in the ring and do the whole you know Mike skill thing so yeah i, th- I think you're right and you know I-, I i think there's been some talk about her wanting to put Shayna over which I think would be okay because, you know, she, when she was at her peak, was like such, she's such a great person because she's got the believable, I'll kick your ass ability, but she's also not so big that you kind of get painted into that like Nia Jax corner where it's like, are we really supposed to believe that, you know, an Alexa Bliss or like an Eye of Sky can take down this, you know, 
huge woman that you know was able to go toe-to-toe with the men whereas with Shayna, it's like okay you can have the smaller people do the like oh they're so quick how would they do this so no that's that's one that you know once again made the card that i was a little you know eyebrow raise about but you know once again i think they're they're going for those casuals and maybe just having ronda give give the rub on the way out right on so what else is jumping out to you on this card because i know SummerSlam. you're right it's more of a casual one but still kind of a lot of implications as we get towards the march towards wrestlemania which is never too early to start right yeah i mean kind of powering through we talked about the slim jim battle royale i think we'll just leave that one alone um Rhonda and Shayna, we talked about. I think, you know, Logan Paul, Ricochet, it feels like th- they're going to have Logan Paul get the win with a huge spot, especially because uh, Jake Paul's got a boxing match that night. So something tells me that WWE would love nothing more than if they're doing like the walk to the ring or any of the million things. It's like, and his brother, you know, already victorious tonight. And it'll be the crazy spot where, you know, him and Ricochet like you know fucking zip line in and spring off the ropes into each other or something so that that's the casual i love um, the, the I, sorry to cut you off there oh, no. i just love the idea of vince trying to do the 40 chess move of trying to manipulate the social media and have all the people searching for pirating like paul like boxing match just getting the logan paul pay-per-view like footage and the youtube clips of him doing some crazy big spot with ricochet <laughs> No, you're so right. And it'll just be like hashtags like that. It'll be like, Jake Paul's brother, Logan, hits this, you know, before heading to his brother's hashtag boxing, hashtag pay-per-view, yeah, hashtag just... Paul Diaz, <laughs> hashtag WWE SummerSlam. Like... Absolutely. Brilliant. All right. So yeah. you're saying the women's division. Um... Yeah. So the, the the big match they do have is kind of exploding with talent because you've got Asuka, Bianca Belair, and Charlotte. Um which is, you know, about as talented as a match you're going to get. And the, the thing with this that's kind of interesting is um, you've still got the Io Sky won the Money in the Bank briefcase. Um, so her and Bailey are kind of floating in the periphery. And there's been a lot of Charlotte Bianca teasing. So my my gut is probably that Oscar would retain. And then you try to set up just like a Bianca Charlotte kind of blood feud, especially because, I mean, you want to talk about two women that, you know, we talk about it all the time, the Brocks, the undertakers that don't need the belt to, you know, make something matter. Charlotte Bianca is like, you know, I- I'd watch those two wrestle. Cause you want to talk about, you know, women that are on the highest tippy top of athleticism that I-, I could see there being something that leads to them kind of having a few, especially like we said, you know, with payback the following week, like or the following month, it would be a great one. So that's a match just kind of brimming with talent and it'll, you know, I'm sure they will be teasing the, uh, the cash in, which is always pretty fun. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I know that there's been a lot of grumbling, both AEW and WWE side on the booking for the women's division. But part of the reason, unfortunately, is when you have talent such as Bianca and Charlotte, there's not a lot of effort that needs to go into it when you just know you can tout that anytime you have to. And and you're absolutely right. I'm going to be intrigued every time because they're just that damn good. So um and then you throw in, you know, the fact in this case, you got Asuka involved as well. I'm always going to be intrigued by Thurman being involvement. So, yeah, there's a lot to like there. And, of course, Io Sky is probably uh, the biggest young talent that I can think of in the division that I'm aware of. Uh, is Are there any other young uh, women's competitors that I should have on my radar coming from WWE at the moment? 
I mean, NXT's always got a good pipeline, but yeah, Io's definitely the one. And I think the whole natural setup of Io and Asuka, like, you know, just two supremely talented Japanese wrestlers, like that's a that that's just a winning combination. And also the thing is, you know, Asuka, I feel like it's kind of served as like whatever you would call like the highest level of like enhancement talent that it's like whenever you've needed to make someone seem legitimate, you've had them go against Oscar just because she makes everyone look good. She's so, you know, stiff. She's, she's just such a talented performer that I think she deserves a little bit of a run. So I think, I think, you know, holding off on that for a little bit and, you know, probably letting there be that cash in and then have a couple of matches. I think that'll be the route. So spinning off the, the two alpha athletes of the division to kind of keep busy for a while could be, could be the move. Sounds like a great plan. Uh, so what else do we got going on for the card? Uh, um, you know, gotta go. I'll take you to Haas Fest because we got Gunther and Drew McIntyre. So this is going to be kind of online with that Seamus Gunther match. I think these guys are just going to beat the absolute shit out of each other and absolutely love doing it. Um, the the biggest thing that I think tips the hand on this is that uh, Gunther's like 20 days away from breaking the Honky Tonk Man's all-time IC record. Um, so as hot as Drew is right now, I think there could be a little uh, a little something with his uh, with Gunther's cohorts that maybe make it a less than clean win because I think I think Gunther's got the main event written all over him at some point, and I think if you do the carry the IC title. You know, he almost won the Rumble last year, so maybe you have him drop it at, you know, Survivor Series or something or, you know, a big event. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that's got the kind of match match of the night possibility, especially for someone that, you know, I think when you talk about when you've got a Logan Paul and Ricochet on one side, this is like the far other end of the spectrum. Like, you know, you're not going to see flips. You're not going to see the top rope. You're just going to see two guys absolutely laying into each other. And, you know, I think it's going to be one of those great at the end of the match. They'll show them backstage just covered in welts and bruises. So I think that's a match that I'm super excited to watch. Yeah, those two are phenomenal in their own right. And you pair them up, especially when they're both so willing to dive into that style of wrestling. Uh, that that's a thing of beauty. And and I think, you know, you, you raise an excellent point that I think um, as we're entering this era of more enlightened wrestling fans, just based off of what AEW is kind of bringing to the mainstream. And obviously there's always going to be a little crossover between the two contingents of fans. I, I think it's really important and great that WWE is kind of embracing this and and not doing the full like wrestling nerd like historian style of like like AEW does where it's like oh you need to know all about this old feud in New Japan you need to know about these weird obscure territories but instead it's like hey strong style wrestling like you know we're not going to give you the history lesson but we're sure as hell going to give you a match that features it you know, much like we're also going to do the opposite and do like the big spot fest match with the Paul brother and Ricochet. So, um, you know, and to an even lesser degree, what you were talking about with Asuka and Io, um, you know, obviously that's going to compel a fan who's interested in it to possibly research some of their previous work prior to WWE and discover some amazing matches from overseas as well. So interesting how they're adapting to the changing landscape with that kind of booking. Yeah, so next up, uh, 
probably once again, I think a little bit of a foregone conclusion, but a, an interesting way is we've got the rubber match of uh, Brock and Cody. Um, you know, they're continuing Cody's hero's journey. He recently had a documentary uh, drop, I believe, on the Peacock Network. I haven't checked that out yet, but, you know, he's, he's clearly hot. They're clearly invested. But the real question is, how, how do they book this? Because the first one he kind of won with, I think it was just a roll-up. I think off of the submission move, off uh, Brock's Kimura clutch. So then Brock just kind of beat his ass. And now, you know, you got the rubber match. And I'm just kind of, I'm intrigued to see how they do it. Because, you know, clearly the physicality, you know, pretty hard to get on Brock's level. But it feels like you need something definitive. So while I feel like the man with the documentary and kind of the, it feels like the inevitable march to probably taking the title off Roman next WrestleMania, but... You know how how do they book Cody to move on from from this to his next one? So that's that's a case of you know just because I know the destination, I'm I'm fascinated to see the journey. Excellent point. Um, this, if I were to speculate, um, this seems like to be one of those great spots for one of those Cody like absolutely over the top ridiculous types of finishes that he had in some of his indie slash AEW run. Um, can't say, I don't know if, how keen WWE will have on him, you know, lighting a table on fire or doing anything of that nature, but I could see him doing some ridiculous over the top sort of, uh, finish for this, just because that kind of was what built him up to who he is. And, you know, they have, obviously there's more safety precautions going on in WWE, but, you know, with Brock involved as well. Um, you know, I, I think if you're ever going to do a, a huge like bump from like a leaping off of a huge structure, or doing something of that nature, you may as well do it with a man who's made of pure muscle who can at the very least, you know, help soften the blow slightly. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think Brock's also I, I feel like there's this like quiet thing where he, he gets the huge checks and everything, but. I think he also does have that like deep thing where he wants it to mean a lot. Like he, he values himself so much that it's like, look, if I'm going to lose, you know, let's make sure that I lose in spectacular fashion. So it probably would be that like, you know, how do you feel about this flaming table? And it's like, well, I think you take most of the bump, but you know, I'll be, I'll do it. Like I'll be involved. So no, that's, that's going to be a fun one. Um, and then that brings us to the, the two title matches. Um, as I earlier mentioned, we got Finn and Seth, and this is just a fascinating one because it, it's got the great history of uh, Finn beating Seth to become the first uh, Universal Champion, which I believe was at SummerSlam as well. But then uh, there was, I think it was like a, you know, kind of buckle bomb-esque move into a barrier that tore Finn's shoulder, and then he immediately had to uh, give up the title. So that's that's in play, and then the other... Uh, fun part was that you know his stable mate has the money in the bank briefcase and there's kind of been some back and forth on that um, I think it was at money in the bank Finn had a shot and there was kind of the like it looks like Priest might cash in and cause you know the hesitation that made the difference so a lot of, a lot of moving pieces in this but I think at the end of the day you've got two just supremely talented guys so I, I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch and then see what they do from a storyline perspective as well yeah, no, that's such a ridiculous matchup, and, you know, I'm all for it. I'm definitely going to have to check out that one at the very least uh, if I don't sit through the entire pay-per-view because, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I know there was speculation, you know, even though I think it was just rampant rumors of like Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega possibly considering going to WWE, but the reality is they don't really need to consider adding folks like that when you have talent such as Finn and and Seth already on your roster. So uh, they kind of serve a similar purpose, and honestly, they have a bit more of the WWE look going for them. So, um, yeah, I, I'm all for that one. And I believe yeah. the only other – oh, my apologies. What were you going to say? Oh, uh, no. Uh, to, to your point, that brings us to the main event, um, the the finest uh, story in wrestling for – I can't even tell however long it's been going on. Um, the bloodline. Uh, you got Roman, and I got to make sure I get the proper uh, get the proper USO here. Jay, Jay USO, main event Jay. That's it. Um, so yeah, they're going back to the well on this one. Uh, Roman and Solo lost the kind of tag team bloodline civil war match, which was an absolutely phenomenal match. Like they. They they got me on a few of the false finishes, like I, and especially because you know in a, a match like that, you know Roman solo winning kind of felt like you know you get the foregone, like oh god, you know you're already I was already doing the internet wrestling thing, like of course, of course they still win the fucking match, and then like false finish, like oh okay you got me. Um, but this one's really interesting because you've kind of got that it's the battle for these belts, and then the the title of the tribal chief which has really been used effectively to the point that it, it begs the question of if Jay loses, does he come back into the fold? Is he, you know, then like subservient? Um, it's been said that the the whole NOI family is going to be there, which obviously, you know, you get wild Samoans or Kishi. The real question is where the most famous and famously absent member is involved in all of this. Um since it seems odd that you would say the whole family without, you know, Dwayne showing up. Um, so that that adds to it. But I, I think it's just going to be a really fun match. I feel like Roman, you know, like I earlier said, I think he wins this. So it's just a question of, you know, by what means and method. I guess kind of like the Cody thing. But for me, it's, you know, the means and methods does, you know, Jay's brother throw in the towel. Do we get like a uh creed two kind of you know throw it in moments or is it just that he absolutely you know brutalizes him and someone from the family stops him i don't know but you know once again the story has been so compelling that i'm i'm really just waiting to see what they do with it or you know if you know can, can you be excommunicated from the family is it something like that that leads to more drama so i i think it should be good i mean i feel like Roman's march continues, but he's, you know, the, for how long this title reign's been, I think it's actually still been really, really good. And this, you know, the storyline's been such a massive part of it. So I think that'll be one that, you know, the match I'm interested to see, but this is a, this is a storyline one for me. Yeah, I, I think you covered it very well there. The one area that I'm interested about is, um, you know, I've always felt that Jay is is certainly the more talented and has more going for him of the brothers. And uh, it's nice seeing him gain a little separation in that regard, um, you know, especially because, you know, as much as it'll be great to keep them together as a tag team, you know, they could only benefit from getting a little time apart as well. And I, I see Jay is actually having potential to mold himself into an individual talent as well. I, if the rock's coming back, which, you know, I know that 
I've long alluded to it numerous times, but especially with the march towards WrestleMania 40, it seems like a foregone conclusion. If he's going to come back, this is a great time to do it, especially when kind of the dog days of summer and you want to talk about like saying the internet aflame, at least for us wrestling nerds, uh, this would be a great way to do it. So especially too with AEW building up to their big uh, pay-per-view over in Wembley. Um, that's a great transition as well. I'll give you a quick rundown of stuff to focus in on with AEW real quick. I know, uh, you're in the process. You got to put, uh, the 2042 women's champion to bed here shortly, but, uh, there's certainly some action that you need to catch up on if you get a chance there, Danimal. And so let's cover it real quick. Um, obviously the March towards Wembley is going to be a big deal at all in, but prior to that, there were a couple of pay-per-views, uh, big one being forbidden door. From my understanding, I have not watched enough of the matches. I've only seen kind of compilations, but it did not disappoint in any regard. Uh, Omega Osprey is looking like an all-timer. Uh, they're number two, and they still have a third one to settle the rubber match ahead. So always one to look forward to. Those are probably my two favorite wrestlers going in, in all of wrestling at the moment. So highly recommend looking at for clips of that if you can. Uh, Blood and Guts happened this year. Um, not the greatest one of the bunch. You know, I honestly preferred the one where Jericho fell onto that poorly, uh, designed crash mat. Um, it didn't quite live up to that in that sense. I mean, there were a few big spots, but if I have one big complaint with what's been going on with that whole feud with the elite versus Blackpool combat club is it really is just kind of exposing how John Moxley just doesn't quite fit in. I mean, I get, I've always been a fan of Moxley, but when you get him with this Blackpool Combat Club that's supposed to be this like Spartan-esque talent and they basically like have this one guy who's just like the palooka who <laughs> clearly doesn't work out mixed in with all these gym rats. It's it's just a funky showing. But um but they did a great job uh coming off for Bindor, really highlighting some of the talent that um from Japan and actually kind of illustrating why they're significant and showing off some of their skill set, which is something I don't think they had a chance to do the last time around. So uh, definitely that match. Uh, I don't, I didn't personally think it was worth checking out, but you know, it is a blood and guts match. So, uh, you know, always a bit, a little compelling. Uh, yeah. I think, I uh, think, think Osprey Omega will definitely be what, uh, what I go for because yeah, I've, I, I have seen a little chatter on Twitter and stuff and it is like, you know, Moxley's coming. Let's bust someone open and get the thumbtacks. And then, yeah, meanwhile, you've got, you know, Claudio and Yuta and, Dan- and Brian Danielson just like, yeah, technicians all about the beautiful art of wrestling. And then, yeah, Mox is just on the outside, just like windmilling the shit out of someone. <laughs> exactly. Um, a, a match you do need to look up. Um, I hope you have DVRs of them all. Um, I believe it took place mainly on Collision. Um, but there were some absolutely amazing tag team wrestling with ftr versus uh what they called here bullet club elite or bullet club gold which is jay white and juice robinson and they had some absolute banger matches uh Meltzer gave them five stars which take that for what it's worth to you but um they they did a one match one week and then the, they followed it up with a best two out of three falls match that lasted for over an hour or 58 minutes of in-ring action, and every moment of it was absolutely compelling, amazing tag team wrestling. So I I would highly recommend getting on your DVR and fast-forwarding through some collision to get through that stuff. 
No, that sounds awesome. I mean, we've always said that the tag team stuff and FTR in particular is worth it. So now that'll be that'll be a fun one to look up because I mean, they had that little stretch when they stepped away, and it was it was a bummer. So okay, that's now I got some some good stuff to watch. What else? What else has got your interest on AEW right now? Um, I, I have mixed bag feeling, but you know, I'm not gonna lie, it slightly amuses me. But they they kind of squandered a, a slightly cool opportunity where they did this blind tournament blind tag tournament um which in theory they they did a raffle and they paired up wrestlers randomly but they did it in a way where it was very clear like who was going to to advance through the whole tournament they didn't give enough backstory to the whole thing so a little bit of a lost booking for me but but the whole point of it is they had uh adam cole and mjf had a match uh a very very good match on dynamite i believe uh, for the championship ended and then they immediately were paired up in this division so rather than settling the feud over the belt now they're tag a tag team but what it's spun off to since has been a lot of these vignettes of mjf and adam cole like hanging out and trying to become buddies which have been really really awful juvenile humor in many ways but it's such a like dude bro kind of like attitude towards everything that I can't help but like laugh just because especially with MJF just being so over the top and so willing to dot, to embody the character he's representing. So yeah, it's been slightly amusing. Uh, their whole big thing is that they uh, are always working towards the double clothesline. That's like their bonding maneuver. So it, it's cheesy. It's dumb, but um, they really are, you know, top of the craft right now for that division. So, I mean, or not that division, but for, AEW in terms of headlining talent like they they are at the high end so um that's something that might be worth poking your head in at the very least check out their vignettes on YouTube you know I I definitely want to check that out because like I was telling you I uh as I was trying to get the future champ to nap I was watching some dynamite last night actually and I caught what is a phenomenal MJF promo He, he went into the like youth trauma you know the anti-semitism he's faced which is all just like he's so powerful when he does it and adam cole came out and they kind of had this like bromance gassing each other up and i was so invested like i was sitting here just like please no one betray each other it's like when you're watching like any like action movie or romantic comedy or like buddy cop and it's like everything's going great and you know someone's gonna like do the thing that makes them split up before they come back together but this is pro wrestling so i don't know if we'll get the come back together so i was just watching and you're right they they are just doing it like mjf on the mic is just so good and yeah i, I think we both kind of had wondered like how are they going to use adam cole like you know the entrance was cool the boom the adam cole baby but yeah so i i definitely do want to delve a little more in because like i said watching I think nine minutes of the two of them in the ring together had me like absolutely shipping this team. So yeah, I definitely want to catch up on that. Yeah. Like I said, it's quite, quite comical because it's so over the top. Like you can't help, but, uh, but pop a little bit for it. Um, two quick ones I'll bring up too, before we uh, depart here. Um, first and foremost, um, Darby Allen's little protege, um, from Seattle area. Um, he had his debut, I believe on rampage, 
So I don't know if you've been following his story, but uh, I know that Darby's trainer, I believe, was the one who passed. And his son is is the one that Darby arranged for Tony Khan to get him a contract at a very early age. He's now 18 years old. Um, I believe he was actually at the match we went to here in Seattle. He was the kid they embraced in the front row. So he he turned 18 and is now starting his contract. So um, he has first match. So something you may be interested in being a you know Pacific Northwest Seattle native. No, definitely. And I'm also, I, I will say, I think that that does seem a little more interesting to me because I feel like I could give Darby a little bit more kind of roundness to his character. You know, I think he's always kind of done this, like, you know, you can't do anything worse to me because I've been through it, da, da, da. But it's like, if there's actually something the guy cares about and he can't have this nihilist, like, I'm just going to get the shit kicked out of me. If I die, I don't care. It's like, well, if you die, then, because I, I did see something on Twitter that, like, apparently Swerve Strickland, which, once again, love love the Tacoma Seattle rivalry um, that swerves, you know, feuding with him. So I can see where that would be the like, all right, Darby, you know, you beat yourself up too bad. I'm going to kick the shit out of your kids. So, you know, how do you want to handle this? So no, that's, that's definitely worth watching. Cause I, I think it's good to have some kind of refresh for Darby. Yeah, I, I agree. And the other reason I'm a little compelled is um the, the other one I was going to bring up is uh, Jack Perry's, officially becoming jack perry dropping the the jungle boy moniker and um not quite sure where i think land on that yet like if i'm going to be perfectly honest with you danimal um there's a big part of me that believes that orange cassidy is a little more um qualified to be that part of, of the um the quadrant the the fourth or where the hell they call themselves the, the pillars the pillars yeah that fourth pillar that jungle boy holds um i i think orange cassidy is kind of more in line for that but at the same time what i will give jack perry credit for is he seems to have really uh learned a lot from his time with christian because his his heel care persona is almost dead on a replica of christian's um as well so i i do give him credit he is you know, conducting himself accordingly. It's just, we'll see how well it takes because it is a little hard to take him seriously in that regard. Uh, thoughts on the Jungle Boy uh, heel turn there? You know, I think it's a great call. Um, I think one for a guy his size, while we always said that, you know, the submission maneuver is a good call to make him believable. I think a small guy that has to, you know, be a little underhanded is always the better move because it's like, how are you going to beat this big guy? It's like, well, I'm going to low blow him and then chop out his knee. Um, the other thing I did love was I saw that he now basically always has his hair back, which I think is just one of those great, like, kind of subtle, like, no, you guys don't deserve to see the cool hair. Like, you know, that was Jungle Boy. And I do, I do also <laughs> just like the idea of him kind of, like, being frustrated by the moniker. It kind of reminds me of when, like, a little kid decides that, like, they don't want to be, like, Billy anymore. It's Bill. And they're just so over the top <laughs> about, like, no, like... I'm a grown up. You got to take me serious. But I think that's where, like, to your point, the Christian stuff is good because, like, that was part of what worked so well with him, I think, early on, too. Cause, you know, him and Edge, like, you know, they were pretty beloved, but then, like, they took it kind of in that, like, we're still goofy, but we're getting obnoxious. And then they kind of scooted into, like, the, the deeper forms of villainy. So I think that that's kind of a good call that he's, like, easing into it because it's, like, you don't quite want to go full like, you know, Randy Orton, like punting people in the head out of the blue, or it's just like, I don't want to be Jungle Boy anymore. I'm going to put JR in the hospital. Like, so I, I think it works in that regard. Um, the one other thing I wanted to get your take on, if you if you think it was legitimate, uh, Billy Gunn, 
seemed like he took his boots off in the ring. Are we are we believing this? Is he is he really hung him up? It's really hard to say because it's also coinciding with his kids actually really kind of coming into their own rapidly. So I don't necessarily know that I can say it's going to be the end of it. Um, but I I love his his second life he's gotten with AEW and it would be kind of a shame to see it cut short but I also believe he's accomplished everything he needs to so um I could go either way on it uh what are your thoughts on it uh I mean I'm kind of with you that there's a small part of me that would wonder if maybe he intentionally felt like his his sons were getting a little hotter and just felt like you know maybe it was like I, I should get out of the way here because inevitably that that feud could you know rise its head again um, or maybe the the thought was that after the, the clip I had sent, which was the the great Anthony Bowen's uh, look at my gear, I'm gay. And then the crowd mocking the woman with the he's gay chant that he felt like he'd finally shed the Billy and Chuck uh, stink off of him and he could move on having achieved a positive <laughs> moment for the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. But I just said that we we hadn't talked about that moment, which was probably one of the most like positive and enlightened, like fun moments I'd seen in wrestling. So shout out to that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't help but wonder if Billy either is, you know, stepping aside or maybe they just want one final run because, you know, before it was, I think the Suns that really felt like the nepotism thing. It's like everyone wanted Billy and then there was the two of them. So I'm wondering if maybe we get one like, they get turned on or something and then he runs back and it's like, you know, one last ride with his boys. That'd probably be the way I'd lean, but I think it could be a really good way to let that happen organically and make it a hell of a pop. If he hasn't been in the ring for, you know, six to eight months and then, you know, his, his sons are getting beat up by three guys and it's like, Oh my God, you know, that's a, that's a JR by God moment. Yeah. Th- that's where I would lean to. Uh, it is fascinating because they, I know they have a lot of, um, older wrestlers on the roster and they are, you know, kind of all coinciding with, you know, the retirement age around the same time. So um, I know I maybe someone had to do too with trying to step aside before I know uh, Dustin Reynolds is also stepping aside very soon here, or Dustin Rhodes, I should say. So uh, it could be that too timing wise. He just wanted to have his moment and then step aside before it becomes a distraction. Real quick, Danimal, before you go, um, one channel I want to draw your attention to and our listeners out there, uh, Stevie Richards Wrestling Academy on YouTube. Highly, highly recommend it. Stevie Richards is a perfect wrestler to be doing these types Mm -hmm. of videos where essentially he breaks down like moves and tells you like what it feels like, tells you like the psychology behind it. Really, really compelling stuff. And like I said, coming from a career kind of mid-tier talent who is comfortable with accepting that and and knows what he accomplished in the ring and worked with everybody, took every bump possible. Uh, it really fascinating stuff. And honestly, if I can compare him to anything, it's like if Bob Ross had a wrestling YouTube channel. So um, h- highly recommend that. I want to put that out there before we go. You could not have given it a higher praise or made me more fascinated by it. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'll be, I'll be checking that out for sure. And I'll, I'll give you my take on it next time we hop on. Sounds like a plan. All right. For Danimal, I'm Storbrand Keanu. This has been the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.